everybody. So today we're going to analyze Ephesians 5, 1 to 12. <clears throat> we're going to start off with chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The NLT version of these verses uses the term imitate. We are to imitate God in everything we do because we are his dear children. Live a life which is filled with love. Emphasis, with emphasis being placed in the word love. As we are loved, we too must love, imitating the love that has been shown to us. With the sacrifice of Jesus being an example. Within these verses, Paul is calling us to the highest standard in the world. <clears throat> Sorry. Where am I? Um, as we are loved, we too must be loved, imitating that has been shown with us, with the sacrifice of Jesus being an example. Um, now, before we attempt to go deeper into the concept of love, um, I want to get the growth stuff kind of out of the way. What does Paul mean when he tells us that Christ loved us so much that he gave us up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God? Now, as a person who's been nursing for a little while, I have certainly had my fair share of death and smells that are associated with that. I've also been in many operating rooms and had bits and pieces where they burn them off and there's a particular smell that goes with it. And it's not very nice at all. Um, so why would anyone, in particular the Lord, find this so appealing to him? Particularly when we're talking about humans, something that he created in his image that he loves so much. If we go back to the Old Testament times, the first recorded sacrifice provided to the Lord was with Cain and Abel. Genesis 4, 2-5, when Abel bought fat portions from the firstborn of his flock, um, which the Lord looked on favour on Abel's offering. About 150 of the Bible's total 613 commandments are dedicated to temple sacrifices. It is explained that the biblical idea of sacrifice concerns the way of approach to God, finding acceptance before him by means of acceptable substitute offered in place of a sinner and bearing the curse of sin. Therefore, we, we find acceptance in God forming a bridge and full access to him because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. When sacrifices were offered to the Lord on an altar, they produced a sweet smell that supposedly went up and pleased the Lord and therefore secured his favour. So when Paul talks about Jesus being a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, it wasn't because God takes pleasure in smelling deceased burning people. It was the act itself, which was a sacrificial offering, the final sacrificial offering, which was to cover the cost of sin, our sin. So why did Jesus do this for us? Because, as Paul explains, it was because of Christ's love for us that he did this, following God's example and imitating, walking in the way of love. 
Now let's go back to the dearly loved children and walking in the way of love. God wants us to love him just as much as he's loved us. God wants us to demonstrate or imitate, as the NLT version uses, that love, just as he has done for us. As I've mentioned before in the two verses, Paul is calling us to the highest standard in the world. It can't get any higher. That's where we are expected to be up to that level. So I just want you to sort of take a moment to reflect upon that. Paul is not saying aim to be as good as your pastor, sorry, Pastor Keith, Mother Teresa, or even Paul himself. He goes straight to the creator. Follow God's example and walk in love. Let's use our children for example. So the aim of a child, mostly my five-year-old at the moment, um, is to show love no matter what. She'll spend ages getting little bits of scrappy bits together and make the most beautiful creation just so that she knows that I love her and I respect that and that's you know something she's done for me. Or, as I found last night, we'll go to every single room in my house and decorate it with stickers because it's beautiful and she wanted to please me. Not the fact it's going to take all the paint off the house. Um, you know, there's times when I can be snappy or angry, um, particularly when I'm tired, you know, I've done overtime or whatever it is, and, you know, they'll, she'll be a little bit fearful, but at the end of the day, she'll still come up to me, she'll still love me, She'll forgive me for whatever I've said or whatever I've done, and it's just unconditional, no matter what I do to her, even though it's not abusive, I promise, but, you know. <laughs> I don't deserve it. I don't, you know, it's just something that a child does for, for a mother or a parent. What about a marriage? What about things that you do for your husband or wife out of love and respect? My husband will put the toilet seat down because I'll kill him otherwise, but he does it out of love and respect. He'll make my favourite foods, or at the moment he's bringing me lots of chocolate because he knows that I need it. It's just something that he does out of love and respect for, for me and within our relationship. You know, we put our partners up on a pedestal. We love them for who they are, what they are. You know, he'll have grumpy days, all that kind of stuff, but at the end of the day... You still come back, you still forgive them, you still love them. And this is what, you know, these are just two little examples of what it is to give and show love. And know that when we are giving it, it is going to get reciprocated back. So God is giving love constantly, you know, and in return, it's not hard to reciprocate that love back towards him. Now, if we look further into passages, verses 3 and 7... Paul is giving us examples of pathways we, we as followers of God should and shouldn't take so that we can live in the light and walk in love. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because of these improper, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this, you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such as a person, is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. 
So let's look a little deeper into these verses. When I was doing my research, um, I was reading a Joyce Meyer book um, around, you know, Ephesians and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that she highlighted was that sexually um, immorality appears on the top of Paul's list and tends to be repeated a lot. Joyce explained that chastity was unheard of in Paul's day and that the very idea of expecting a young man to avoid sex would have been considered extremely severe and ridiculous. Men normally had mistresses and there were even temples that had priestesses who were prostitutes and whose earnings paid for the upkeep of the temple. One such palace was built to Aphrodite, who was considered the goddess of love. The Greeks were the first to introduce prostitution as a profitable business and brothels were opened in Athens. So I did a bit of research. Athens to Ephesus or, you know, is about 4.5 k's away, so it's not very far. Joyce goes further to explain that having an understanding of the history and culture of the people to whom Paul wrote to helps us to understand why he emphasised this message so much. And if you do have a look in Ephesians, you can see, you know, in a lot of Paul's writings, really, sex is up there with where the proper places it should be and not be. So what about in today's time? These days, we don't need a temple to dabble into sexual immorality. It is still everywhere around us. We have movies, magazines, websites. They're the more obvious kind of things. Sex is not something that is saved for a husband and wife in the privacy of a house. It is very much something that is open and exploited these days. Last year, in central Queensland alone, there were 23,242 cases of sexually transmitted diseases, which is telling us something about how sex is being treated just within our local area. The other areas which Paul highlighted within these verses include greed, foolish talk, or coarse joking. Paul states that no immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God, for such a person is an idolater, someone who worships idols, you know, not God, something that is the big no-no, basically. So Paul is saying anyone who is like that, you are put in that same category. When we first read these verses, I don't know about you, but I was like, oh, I'm not one of them. Thank heavens. But let's, let's take a little closer look at this. Have you or do you swear? Do you find yourself in the workplace, for example, participating in conversations that are classed as foolish or coarse conversations? Now, nurses are pretty well known for what they call black or sick humour. There's nothing that's really sugar-coated, basically. So it's quite difficult when you're in, you know, my work experience work environment, for example, to step yourself away and go, that's not really inappropriate because it's just the culture, basically. It's, it's all around you. Another example is my house. It's no secret. My husband loves to slip out a few words. It's just who he is. And I've been known that when I'm frustrated, angry, really tired, hit rock bottom, I'll slip him out too. And I cop it more than he does, really. Because, <laughs> But anyway... So, but according to Paul, I'm an idolater. I am someone who's not going to share inheritance of the kingdom of God because of these actions. So it's something that really sort of 
makes me sort of sit back and go, okay, I need to think about what I'm actually saying, what I'm thinking and all those kind of things. So just a little food for thought for you guys. <laughs> what about greed? Um, how are you all with that? This one can be a little bit more subtle at times. So we've got the obvious things like storing up all your money, having the latest and greatest of things, you know, the greatest car, the phone, all those kind of stuff. Um, or as you see on like Facebook all the time, the new motto of I have to put myself first. You know, it's all about me before someone else. Otherwise, you know, if I'm not looking after me or if I'm not putting me first, then I'm no good to anyone else and everything else like that that goes with it. Um, what about, are you always feeling like you are never satisfied? Do you or have you ever compromised your moral values and ethics in order to achieve your goals? Can you look around your house and see that you've collected too many non-necessities and however feel like, you know, the latest magazine comes out or something comes out and you're like, oh, I really need that or I need this, you know, just to add to it because it just feels not quite enough or a bit empty. When I was reflecting on these verses, I was thinking about a patient um, I once nursed. So before going to Reno, I was in cardiac, and I remember nursing this patient who came in. He looked amazing. He was fit. He was healthy. He ate really well, had a fantastic diet. He exercised regularly. You know, sleep was important. Mental health was important. All those kind of things are really important for this patient. Yet he presented with a really big heart attack, one that had done a lot of damage. So, you know, going through the ticks and flicks and working out, okay, how did you end up here? His only risk factor was that he smoked. That was it. To him, it was his de-stressor. He would go out, have a smoke. No one else was affected. It was just something for him. It was private had no cost, really, basically. Um, but yet he ended up having a big heart attack. So what happens when you smoke? I won't go into the nitty-gritties of it, but basically cigarette smoking has this amazing ability to play around with the bad cholesterol in your blood. And so it'll rise the bad cholesterol. And the bad cholesterol is what causes the clots, the plaque, basically. So over time, his little habit, his one little thing had caused this clots to form, which then caused the heart attack. And that's how he ended up with us. Um, so sin, like Paul highlights in these verses, is like a daily cigarette to our vessels. Whilst it gives us short-term relief over time, it's actually eroding away at us, silently taking away our inheritance which has been freely given to us. So, as I said, it's not something that it's obvious to people or, you know, that appears to be doing anything wrong. But just think of it in your little vessels. It's just slowly chipping away, chipping away, chipping away until it's too late. You know, it's done the damage. Thankfully, though, Paul gives us an answer as to how to break free from it all. Paul tells us that we are not to participate in the partners with those who are like that. Paul calls us to live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. So what is light? I looked up the, you know, the dictionary side of it and it says that something, um, light is something that makes things visible or affords illumination. 
The physics side of it is a luminous energy, radiant energy. So think radiant, beautiful energy. Light exposes things. It always encourages growth and healing. Plants need light to grow. Humans need vitamin D, sunlight, for hormone control of calcium, which is needed for strong bones and muscles. It's really important. Paul explains that by being children of the light, it is pleasing to the Lord. By shining our light, we are being God's beacon on earth. We are being the lighthouse for God, leading the way, providing an example. We are therefore imitating God. By being this beacon, we are imitating God, which is what we're called to do. Paul explains fruitless deeds like lying, foolish or coarse talk, sexual morality, and everything else we spoke about is of the darkness, hidden in secret. So I want you to think of things like mold, a fungus, something, you know, we just think we can use a bit of bleach on it, it'd be fine, but it's, it's destructive, like it destroys things. It can destroy physical things. It can, you know, get into humans' bloodstreams. It's, it's a destroyer. Um, and it thrives in darkness. This is what Paul warns us against. Verses 13 and 14 summarize and tie it all together really nicely, explaining exactly what is expected and the outcome of that expectation. So, verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So, God is calling us to wake up and shine, and through that, he will shine on us. So let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for providing us with the example we, aim, we must aim for, the highest of examples. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for exposing those things in our heart today that you know we need to work on. Lord Jesus, I want to ask you to continue to show how to live in the light and walk in love, just as you have continued to do for us. I say these things in your name. Amen.